Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am really pleased to welcome my next guest returning to the Dana Buckler Show for, gosh, I don't even know how many times you've been a guest on the show, but we were just talking off air, and it's been since July of last year. So, Adam Risky, welcome back. How are you? Thanks. Yeah, I've been good. Um, thanks for having me back on the show. It's nice talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just said to you, it, it didn't seem like it was that long ago that you were on the show, and you your response was priceless. You're like, yeah, it's quarantine time. time. Yeah, everything's fluid. I don't, I, it's just the same. It's either work or watch TV and sometimes go outside. So it's kind of, you know, just this fluid motion of, of days. It's almost like we're in some type of quasi Christopher Nolan script with time. <laughs> so. It makes sense because I don't seem to know people anymore. So like, I'm like, oh, it's just Nolan character development. <laughs> He cares more about the plot than us <laughs> having interpersonal conversation. <laughs> Adam, you know, you've really become sort of the, the in-house go-to person when it comes to figuring out, you know, movie recommendations. And I want to certainly get to, you know, what you've seen uh, over the past couple of months, uh, you know, your your recommendations, your, uh, your not recommendations. And then we're going to get into a little bit of the summer movie preview. But before that, last week was the annual F This Movie. Fest, the uh, the world's only all Twitter film festival, and uh, this year, of course, given the circumstances, everything was a little bit different. So, can you just talk a little bit about your experiences with F This Movie Fest this year? Yeah, this year was interesting because normally, although we're participating with our sites, listeners, and readers um, over Twitter, and it's all you know over the internet, and um, it's meant to feel like we're all in the same room, but we're not in the same room. Um, the quote-unquote staff of F This Movie is all gathered in one central location. So we're all at you know F This Mo Movie HQ. And this year was the first year where we weren't able to get together. So we were just participating it like in it like everybody else, um, where we were all in our separate, you know, homes or apartments. And it was it was not too different. Um, I mean, like I think you kind of lose a little bit of the energy in the room and it feels harder to gauge like which movies are playing the best um but um all in all it was really fun and it, it, you know we watched six movies over the course of about 12 hours or 14 hours and time flew so like i had a i had a great time and um i thought that you know the expected movies that were going to play really well did like die hard of course was you know the movie that we capped off the the festival with and you know, people know that movie so well that it's really nice to have, you know, super inside jokes going on about characters and situations. And it makes you kind of hyper attuned to certain details that you don't always pay attention to. So, like, one of the things that I noticed was um, Al, played by Reginald Bell Johnson, he's always on, you know, the, the radio and he's talking to Bruce Willis you know, kind of giving him pep talks while Bruce Willis is going through like hell battling, you know, Hans Gruber and the rest of the terrorists. And Reginald Val Johnson keeps saying like, you know, me and the guys have a bet on you. And like me and the guys are all rooting for you, but they never show like another cop that's rooting for him. <laughs> so I'm just like, are these like figments of his imagination? Is he just like, they, is he like, promoting the tweet so to speak and it's like not really happening but he just wants it to happen so bad 
So I was noticing like little things like that. And it's, it doesn't make the movie better or worse, but it just enriches the experience. I've said this on a couple podcasts recently when I was out in Los Angeles last year, when we got on the 405 freeway after landing and the exit we got off of there was Nakatomi Plaza, the 20th, uh, the the Fox tower. To me, that was uh, of all the sort of Hollywood icon, you know, uh, iconic buildings and all that stuff. That was the one that, that got me the most. I was like, it's a real building. I know I knew it was a real building, but to actually see it just blew my mind. Yeah. Could you imagine if you worked there, how cool that would be? Yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. There's two movies in particular I want to ask you about mm-hmm. that, that played during this movie. First one is going to be Willow because mm-hmm. I actually, my parents took my brother and I to see that in the theater. And that's one of those films that I've never even thought about revisiting until Patrick programmed it for F this movie fest. And I, uh, I'll, you know, full disclosure, still haven't rewatched it, but uh, how did Willow play? And what's your opinion of the film? Yeah. Um, my interpretation was that people had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's, it's kind of curious because, you know, fantasy doesn't always play with every audience. So like when Patrick's putting together the, the lineup for at this movie he's going for like the crowd pleasers but then he also usually is sneaking in like a couple of wild card picks where it's stuff that he likes a lot but um he's trying to maybe adopt new fans to it or um just kind of he's kind of nervous how it would play and then i remember he was saying that he was nervous how willow would play just because like you it seems like a movie that people of our generation are familiar with but maybe don't really revisit all that often and I had seen it um, maybe about five years ago. They had like a really random like repertory screening of it, which was funny because it was at this theater that was hardly ever open. But then like one weekend, they're just like, we're showing Willow at two. You want to come over and then like <laughs> go. And it's got like a decent like audience. And then the theater like shut back down and then never opened up again. It's like, oh, OK, it's like the house that Willow broke. Um but when I saw it that one time uh, recently, I was just like, man, this movie still holds up. And like, this is really good. Ron Howard, like this is back when he still, you know, kind of had his fastballs with like, you know, he was making parenthood and backdraft and willow and everything like that. Um, and it, I think it's really fun. Um, it, it holds up, especially, you know, if you're, if you're forgiving of the fact that it basically steals from Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, but you're a fan of that formula, it, like the elements there with Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer and then the action and the photography and everything in the score by James Horner, like it all really works well together. It's a fun revisit. I don't want to sound like I have no idea. I, I, I really remember nothing about this film, but when you say Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, I always think of, you know, the hero's journey. Is is Warwick yeah. Davis the, the the main character in this film? That's how long. It's been more than 30 years. Yeah, yeah. He's the the Frodo Luke Skywalker gotcha. stand-in. Gotcha. One. Yeah. The other film I wanted to ask you about was Action Jackson. And the reason I wanted to do that is because when he, that was announced as one of the six films that was going to be featured on the F this movie fest, it immediately evoked a memory of uh, when I was maybe 
eight years old, nine years old over at a friend's house. And the parents had rented the film and we put it on and we got about six minutes into it. And the dad came in and said, like, no, no, no. And he ripped the tape out. And that's my only memory of Action Jackson. <laughs> How did that one play? Um, it was it was like a big hit with our with our audience because it's so over the top, which sort of is the type of movie that plays the best in this framework. So um, everybody was really kind of plugged in with, you know, like little sayings for action Jackson and like punning his name. And like, like, so there was like this long Twitter stream of just people saying like traction Jackson, or like every time he kills somebody, it's subtraction Jackson or something like that. So it was really fun. Um, The movie is total like Joel Silver, late 80s warner brothers action cheese um so it's it, it it's really fun um i don't think that it's like a classic of that and you know patrick might disagree with me i know he's he's a huge huge fan of action jackson i don't think it's quite like in the same realm of like a lethal weapon or a die hard or you know predator or anything like that of the late 80s stuff but um it's it's really fun it's a good watch Overall, of all the all six films, which one was your favorite to watch that day? My personal favorite was Willow because I just I have a such a special place for that movie. It was like one of my first movie crushes when I was a kid. I was all about Willow, so um, because it had been a while since I'd I'd revisited the movie, that was the one that that uh, for me personally worked the best. Okay, awesome. I tweeted this the other day. You know, you guys uh, always do sort of a wrap-up show mm-hmm. afterwards. I know sometimes it's done Facebook Live and recorded as a podcast. And and this Wednesday it debuted, and it's sort of you know everybody the the, the core group of F this movie is all together, just talking about the films. And and it's a great episode, and I recommend everybody listen to it. I tweeted that when I started the podcast episode, I was listening on Apple Podcasts, and for some reason I must have hit the 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 speed button because it was playing at one and a half speed. So <laughs> and. I just for everybody just to get a sense of this, I I would say just start the episode at one and a half speed and just understand like I was just kind of waking up and just making my coffee and I had my AirPods in and I was listening to it. And I said, my God, they've got so much energy after 12 hours of movies. Like, what is going on? Like, Patrick's like, and welcome out of Risky. And you're like, hey, how are you? And he's like, welcome to this. Welcome to this person. Welcome to this person. I'm like, like, my God, slow it down a little bit, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely were not like that. Um, I, when we were recording it, like... The, we we hung on the line after after the show was over for a few minutes just to to finish chatting and at that point i had moved from the table that i was recording at to a couch and i was just laying down and i'm like i don't even care if you can see me on zoom i just cannot sit up anymore <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about the past few months now i know you had mentioned to me when we were setting up uh when we were having a little chat about setting up this recording you had mentioned that uh your one year anniversary of the last time you went to the movie theater had just come and went. So it's been a year since you've been in the theater, but that doesn't mean that movies don't come out. So we've Mm. got streaming services, we've got VOD, we've got premium VOD. Over the past few months, can you tell me uh, a few films that you'd recommend and then some movies that maybe you were excited for, but they ultimately didn't deliver the way you had hoped? Yeah, sure. Um, So this year's been peculiar in the stuff that's like stood out to me that i've liked the most um though it's the ones that like i just had no expectation of or didn't 
know existed until like the few hours leading up to the movie er, to me watching the movie. Um, the first one that I had that experience with was I saw this trailer come out and it was for this movie called PG colon psycho Goreman. And I was like, well, that's a weird title. I need to see this trailer. And I watched it and it basically is this like really kind of cultish in aim movie where it's taking like the formula of a late uh, of a late nineties, like kids movie, like star kid, or even maybe going back to ET where it's like this thing from outer space comes down to earth. And then it's first interaction with anybody from the human race is a child. Um, however, in the case of psycho Gorman, this is like, Basically, what if an or- a space orc from Lord of the Rings came down and was really pissed off and he meets two kids and it's a really bizarre movie. It kind of has like a, a Reno 911 wet hot American summer sort of sense of humor, but it's really j- just gory and over the top. And it's got amazing kind of lo-fi practical creature work and stunts and things like that. So that was one I I, I was really caught by surprise by, and it was like my first kind of favorite of the year, which is a, it's called PG Psycho Goreman, and it's on VOD to rent. I've uh, I've heard you talk about it on the podcast, and I I watched the trailer. Is mm-hmm. this? I, I didn't look it up, but is this a hard R rated film, or is this a PG thirteen film? No, it's pretty hard R. Like it's cartoonish gore, but it's definitely pretty pretty bloody. Okay, awesome, awesome. Right, so I'm definitely adding that one to the list. Every time I record with you, it's usually on a Sunday, and I usually have you know Sunday nights. I'm uh, always trying to watch a new movie, so I'm putting a little list together of all the films you recommend. So this one is, of course, at the top of the list, and we'll we'll see where where it lands when we're done talking. So what do you got next? Um, my, I'll, I'll talk about my favorite movie of the year so far next. Um, and it's a movie I saw a trailer for like way back in when I went to see, it was either bombshell or like star Wars rise of Skywalker. And it was like this teaser trailer for a movie and you couldn't like get any understanding of what the movie is from the teaser. It was just like this weird thing where you're just like, it was, it was like a minute long. And then after the thing was over, you're just like looking at your friend and you're like, what was that? Was that for a movie? Was that like a Fanta ad? Like, what was that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they announced that Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar is coming out on VOD instead of in theaters. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's that weird movie that had like that really perplexing teaser trailer. So I'm going to watch it. And I knew that it was like the follow-up to bridesmaids by Kristen Wiig and Amy Mumolo, but that's all I knew about it. And it is so damn funny. It's, it's like a movie where I was laughing out loud, like by myself at home. And I hardly ever like am laugh out loud. I are laughing out loud at a movie just where I'm watching it by myself. But, um, it's very absurdist. It's like a mixture of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like Austin powers meets like the bird cage meets it's like really strange. And, um, the two characters, Barb and star, they look like Holly McLean from Die Hard, and they <laughs> act like they're in steel magnolias, but they're just like these diluted, like 
silly women who go to this resort to kind of live it up because they need to like get away from their dull lives and it's got musical numbers and it's got like really absurdist super villains and like criminal mastermind plots and everything and it's just um i don't know for me like you know humor is subjective but i would say from like every 50 jokes they put out there i was laughing at like 30 of them which is kind of amazing for a comedy nice I'm somewhat familiar with this film just from, I think, didn't Patrick gave it a, uh, an approval rating as well, correct? Yeah. 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 I think I remember him mentioning that. Um, but did they have the teaser trailer where it didn't show their faces? Yeah. They were like buried under sand. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah okay. Yep. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. That movie's getting a lot of buzz right now. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So I'm actually 0 and 2 on actually the, as far as, having seen the films you've been recommending. So what's next? Okay. Um, I'll say the next one was a documentary I saw on Apple TV plus. Um, it was called Billy Eilish. The world's a little blurry. And I don't know how much people's mileage will vary on this one because I'm a fan of, of her work. Like I think she's a, a really good singer and I think her music is pretty, pretty interesting and different. Um, but this is sort of a like two and a half hour documentary following her through the course of the year where she went from like being a star to like a mega star. And it's the, the parts of it that I found the most interesting are kind of the routine that she has to go through just to be the Billie Eilish that people see on stage. Um, so like, you know, she'll do something like starting out a show where she's standing in place and then she does like this violent, like jump in the air and like stomp back to the ground. And then she starts the song bad guy. And then they show like after the show, like the physical therapy she needs to go through just on her legs to be able to sustain like that opening move and things like that. And um, it's, it's really interesting too, just like seeing, you know, of this kind of singular artist, like which parts of her are, you know, uh, uh, helped out by her brother, who's sort of the main songwriter for a lot of her work. And then they show them like workshopping a lot of her songs. And she's the one who kind of like, you know, is guiding like where certain inflection points are in terms of like the songwriting and like how she's singing it. And it's really interesting just to kind of see like the art come together and also see like the performance of it come together. Um, there's a lot of like high schoolish stuff because, you know, granted she's, I think at the time of the movie, she was like 17 going on 18 or something. So there's some of the stuff where I'm just like, this is like what I would call like a young person's movie. I'm like, I don't know if I really, like I'm getting anything out of this, but in terms of like kind of understanding her as an artist, I thought it was, it was really good. And it's one of those situations where I have Apple TV plus I have it. I don't think I've watched anything with the exception of Greyhound. What did that come out six months ago? Seven months yeah, ago, like June or July, yeah. And and I know Apple TV Plus has some really quality content, and and I think even like I, I think I knew there was a documentary on Billie Eilish, but the fact that it was on Apple TV Plus, which seems to just I don't know, like nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, some really quality programs probably are getting lost in the sea of streaming services. So I'm going to add that to the list. Certainly. I'll, uh, I'll definitely check that out. Side note, sidebar, if you will, where do you stand on Apple TV plus in the streaming wars? 
I'll never get rid of it because I don't know how to cancel it. I'm, and I'm being serious. Like I've tried to cancel it and I don't know where to go. And I just get thrown into like, like these Freddy's dead loops where I can't get out of Springwood. <laughs> so I know I'll never leave. Um, does it, when you, when you, when you, when you try, when you're almost there, does it just go, you're fucked? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, like I just can't find where to go for it. And then like, I'll go on Google and it'll explain like really clearly. I'm like, these are not the screens that I have. <laughs> like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And then I could probably fix this by like calling somebody, but I just don't want to do that. So. <laughs> um, overall, I agree with you. Like there's very few things that I watch on Apple TV plus the good news is just about everything I've watched on there. I've liked to a certain extent, like, cause I watched Greyhound on there and I liked, I liked it well enough. Um, I liked on the rocks, which is the new Sofia Coppola movie. Um, trying to think of what else I watched on there. Yeah. The Billie Eilish movie. There was, there was a couple that like, there was one recently just this past weekend that I watched on there called cherry, which is this new Tom Holland movie where he's like a, uh, a, a guy who goes off to join the army and then comes back and then he gets like a heroin addiction and he robs banks and things like that. I thought it was garbage. I, it's like a really terrible movie, but um, that's actually directed by the Russo brothers who did the Avengers movies with, uh, with Tom Holland. Um, but yeah, to your, to your point, I don't watch a lot of stuff on Apple TV plus it's, it's not my favorite of the streaming channels. And it's, I've, I've really switched from the using the Xbox to using the fire stick that I have mm-hmm. because, you know, now that HBO Max is available on there and, uh, it just, it's, it's, it's a little bit more, uh, user friendly, the Amazon Fire Stick than firing up the Xbox and loading this up and loading that up. And I actually have the Apple TV Plus loaded up on my Fire Stick. I just never use it. I'm sure at some point before this conversation is over, we will discuss, you know, what our favorite streaming platforms are, but we'll get back to that in a little bit. So, uh, okay. what do you have next? Um, so the next one, this one was a bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of it. And then I ended up liking it quite a bit was, um, the United States versus Billy holiday. It's on Hulu and it's the new Lee Daniels movie. And he directed precious and the Butler. Um, and I think he's been doing mostly TV work since then, but this one is, um, it's a, a biopic about Billy holiday, but it, it mostly focuses on the time period from when she, um, started performing the song strange fruit which was a movie about or a song about about the problem with with lynching that was happening in the 50s and 60s and it's very critical of like the government and critical of like you know uh just just people who were participating in those awful events um and uh the government sees it as an inciting uh type of song and they're very you know obviously opinionated and their take of the civil rights movement. So they are trying to do whatever they can to shut Billie Holiday down. And if she sings the song, they arrest her for inciting a riot. And then they realize that that doesn't work as well as just kind of planting drugs on her and doing things like that. Cause she's a drug addict already. So they're just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll get her thrown into jail and off stage by doing that. Um, the lead performance is by Andra Day, who's a singer. And I think this is her first movie performance and she's unbelievable in it. 
And it's the type of movie where like that lead performance kind of carries the movie. And um, I would recommend it just for seeing her. She won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama about a week ago for the performance. And uh, all in all, yeah, for like a movie on Hulu, like I really like this one. And then like the one that I was supposed to like that was on Hulu, Nomad Land, I didn't really like all that much. So go figure. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, put a pin in Nomad Land because I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I have not watched yeah. that yet. Um, just staying with the, the current film you're talking about. You said she won a Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Performance. And of course, this year, uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have made uh, an exception for obvious reasons that films don't have to have a theatrical run to qualify for the Academy Awards. They can debut on streaming services. So would you say she's a lock for at least an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress? I feel good about it. I don't know if I would think she's a lock, but um, I think that her winning the the Golden Globe and then also the movie being pretty new, um, so recent in voters' minds, will help her. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about No Man Land. Um, this is another film. This is a uh, seeing a lot of press about it. Um, Frances McDormand has, you know, she's, I've, I think I tweeted or put on a Facebook post, you know, she's a living American, uh, legend as far as, uh, you know, actors go. I don't know anything about this film. I've purposely, uh, avoided even reading a plot synopsis, but it's okay if you go into a plot synopsis with me because I'm still on the fence on whether or not I'm going to watch it. So, so take me through your viewing of No Man Land. Okay. So, I might have done myself a disservice watching Nomad Land at like three in the morning because <laughs> I it was having a restless night and then I was just like okay I'll watch Nomad Land. So um, I'm I like Frances McDormand. I don't love Frances McDormand. Sometimes she can be kind of like an on-screen allergy to me, and this is one of those movies. Like I had this with the three billboards movie from a few years ago. Like. I love her in Fargo. I love her in Blood Simple. I love her in like Dark Man. It's just there's certain movies where just I don't know. I, it just doesn't work for me. This is one of them. She's basically playing um, a woman who uh, worked in a factory town um, and the factory went under and they basically wiped out the entire town. And she stayed in the town for a long time. But then like it came time where like push came to shove and she had to leave because there was nothing available in the town anymore. And she d- elected um, to live on the road and be what they call a nomad. And there's nomad communities. And, you know, a lot of times they'll get together and they'll help each other out or they'll just like give each other emotional support. Um, so the movie's a lot about that. And it's just about kind of, you know, her day to day, what it's like to live on the road, um, you know, living out of your car and everything and taking gig jobs like at Amazon and, whatnot so it's the type of movie where it's a claim doesn't surprise me um because people love francis mcdormand they love this director uh chloe Zhao, who made the movie for me though it's just i don't know i don't i didn't get any type of kind of butterflies in the pit of my stomach and i feel like for a movie that's supposed to be the front runner for best picture i should have that so i i think based off of expectations um i was let down by nomad land but i don't think it's a bad movie either it's just it just didn't really do much for me is it in the revisit category anytime soon or is it just 
sometime down the road a year or two for me it's for me it's a one and done i don't think i don't see myself ever going back to okay. it all right before i forget i want to ask you your thoughts on coming to america too or coming to america i think it's terrible <laughs> And I feel bad saying that because coming to America from 1988, the original is my second favorite comedy. So um, this was just, I don't know what it is. It was like, it was more concerned with being like genial and friendly than being funny. It was really odd where it was just sort of like, Hey, everybody's back together and they're all great. And here we're going to repeat all of the same characters from the the previous movie. And we're going to have them do the same comedy beats and like nothing's changed. Like they've never evolved at all. And they add a lot of characters to try to inject some new energy into it, but it doesn't really work. Um, Wesley Snipes is okay. He's having fun, but that's about it. Um, he's sort of the comic villain in the movie, but Eddie Murphy just kind of seems to be, falling back into like you know how like how he had years and years where it seemed like he just wanted to be like the friendly host more than be funny anymore <laughs> yeah it, it feels it feels sort of like that um so i was i was let down by coming to america mainly because it was reuniting murphy with craig brewer who did dolomite is my name and craig brewer had done other movies like Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan. So he's a good director. It's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, this movie falls into the trap of, you know, the Dumb and Dumber 2, the Anchorman 2, where it's like you should have just kind of left well enough alone. I watched the first 30 minutes of the film and mm-hmm. um, I didn't just, I didn't go, oh, I'm, uh, this is awful. I just, just completely lost interest. A couple of my thoughts on the movie was that I was going into it with extremely low expectations. And I say mm-hmm. that from not the first trailer, the teaser trailer where they really spent some time in the barbershop. I, I, I really chuckled a lot watching that. It was the second one where I, it was the second trailer. And when I found out that it was rated PG 13, I just said, I, I'm not sure. I, I just went into it with really low expectations and. And so, you know, the bar was set low and the barbershop scene, I'll admit, I openly laughed out loud. Like you said, I was watching it by myself and I, I chuckled out loud a couple of times. But the first coming to America, it felt dangerous a little bit. You know, it was rated R yeah. and John Landis, not so much when Eddie Murphy was playing the character of Akeem, but when he was him and Arsenio were playing the other characters, you know, they, they played five or six characters a piece. You feel like, or at least I felt like John Landis sort of just said, all right, guys, just improvise. Just do Mm -hmm. your thing. You got an R rating. Just go with it. And I feel like that was reeled back almost to the fact where there probably was no improvisation in this. Maybe maybe the barbershop scene. That just feels like they were just riffing off each other, even though they probably took three weeks to shoot that scene. But I just, I thought it was, what's the word I'm looking for? Too safe. I guess. Yeah. And, and, and it didn't grab my attention and I'm, you know, I'm a little disappointed by it, but at the same time, I kind of felt like that was going to happen going into it. So I don't know if I was sort of confirmation bias or what the case is. I've had some people, uh, my friend Eamon from, from Ireland, he, he loved it. I mean, he was just mm-hmm. singing the praises of it. So there are people out, there are a lot of people that really liked the movie. Um, it just, it didn't, well, again, people are going to hit me on hard on Twitter. 
I've only seen the first 30 minutes. But what I saw didn't grab me enough to want me to finish the film. I kind of, as you were talking, was thinking of like the Terminator aspect of it all, which is that I think what the, and you know, this is just my opinion, but I think like what the filmmakers kind of missed the point on with coming to America is that the reason why we liked the original is because it was like this manifestation of Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy's comedy. It was just like a bunch of skits and it was like about them. It was about their talent and just like, look what they can do. It was them like stepping up to the plate and like taking, you know, big hacks. We didn't care about the story. <laughs> like that wasn't what was interesting about it. And same thing with Terminator. It's like, these new Terminator sequels, it's like, we don't care about the lore. We care that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in an, a kick-ass action movie with Linda Hamilton. Like, that's what made it work. Like, it wasn't so much that, you know, like, what Skynet's doing this Sunday. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, you know, Mike and I, we, we dissected all seven of those, well, all six of those films in the TV show. And you know what? <laughs> You could have summed up, we could have stopped after two and just recorded for 30 seconds to, to, <laughs> to sum up the other, the other four movies. You nailed it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I did. It was funny because, like, if you came back and said, like, we watched all of them and, like, I cared deeply about this lore, <laughs> you know, that would have been an awkward moment. No. I mean, honestly, I've made the case numerous times, and I believe Mike has, well, Mike has said that it should have ended with the first film. That's a, that's a completed story right there. Uh, I, I made the argument that Cameron wrapped the story up in a neat bow with the end of two and didn't, it, it should never have gone any further than that. But having said that, we started to judge the sequels on their own as movies and, you know, how do they hold up and, you know, gave recommendations to, to some of those movies beyond part two. So, but no, like I remember seeing Terminator Genesis, Genesis in the theater, which mind you, I did give a recommend as a watchable movie. But remember, just like we're, we're like in 2017, we're in San Francisco. We're doing what? This is what what's going on? Like, like, where's the action scenes? Like, so I totally get it. Yeah. It's so funny how like franchises just lose track of like what makes those franchises special in a certain way. Cause it's, it's so weird. Like um, I'm thinking of Jurassic world dominion, which is supposed to be the next Jurassic world movie. I don't know anybody who's excited about that movie for dinosaurs anymore. Everybody's just like, Oh, Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, Ian Malcolm. It's like, <laughs> they said if you would have told anybody in 1993 that it's just like, yeah, guys, check this out. In 30 years, there's going to be a sixth Jurassic Park movie. And it's like, yeah, really? It's like, are the dinosaurs doing cool stuff? It's like, yeah, no, not really. You're going to be really tired of them. But you're going to be super excited that Sam Neill's back. <laughs> I would have been like, what? <laughs> that, was, that was when you look at Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, like the marketing of that movie was Jeff Goldblum is back. Now, mind you, he's in the film for three minutes, but that was how they marketed the film was Jeff Goldblum is back. The fact of the matter is the first Jurassic Park worked so well, and I'm not the first person to make this statement, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm coming to this revelation. I'm, I've heard this said many times, and this is something I agree with, is that we're seeing things on the screen that we've never seen before. 
And the way they marketed that film was to not show us the dinosaurs. And it was sort of that amazing moment. I mean, I'm sure you saw that in the theater in 93, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a life-changing experience. That was, for us, I believe that was our Jaws movie. You know, I wasn't born when Jaws came out, but I saw Jurassic Park in the theater, and it was an incredible experience. And I didn't see either Jurassic World or I actually have never even seen all of Fallen Kingdom. And the fact that they remember there, there was they were saying that Dotson was going to be back for this one. That was going around yeah. like the guy that was in the <laughs> at the little outdoor cafe in Costa Rica for three minutes. He's back in the movie. Everyone, everyone needs to be excited. Yeah. It's it's strange because like you know even in you know Jurassic World, I, I don't know if they did this in Jurassic World or if it was until Fallen Kingdom that they did this, but like. BD Wong, like the dude who's in like the scene in the first movie where they've got the raptors being hatched out of the eggs, like all of a sudden he's like this genetics master villain. And now I have to go back to the first movie being like, no, he's the worst. He's Dr. Evil. It's like, why? This series doesn't need Dr. Evil. It really doesn't. It's just like, it's dinosaurs in a park. Like, that's what it is. Like, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, you know, the dinosaurs are about to, like, you know, take over the world. Like, they're all set free. And, like, they show, like, a raptor basically, like, on top of a hill looking down on, like, this suburban street. It's like, I want to see some little kids playing basketball and then be like, oh, shit, there's a raptor. We should probably go inside. (laughs) Is that what they're setting this thing up for? Because I didn't see the end of Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. The, um... All right, so I, I just want to get your reaction to these things because this is how off the chain that movie got. Um, so there's this little girl that's following Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard around for, like, most of the movie. And she's, you know, just a, a kid in a an action movie. You're just like, whatever. And then at the end of the movie, um, it's revealed that she's, like, a human clone. So now, like, engines not just cloning dinosaurs. They're also cloning human beings. And then... She, like, out of nowhere decides to – there's, like, this – all the dinosaurs are, like, gathered in this mansion, which I won't even get into. But it's basically the second half of the movie is, like, Jurassic Mansion. And all these dinosaurs are, like, in this boarding area, like, on, like, a – I don't know. It's, like, a shipping area of, like, a building. And then she decides – to press this giant red button, which just opens up a gate and sets all the dinosaurs free. And she's just like, she's like, they're just like me. And that's her only answer to <laughs> like, she should be free. And thus all these dinosaurs should be free. So now they showed like a montage at the end of that movie where there's like a raptor on a hill, like overlooking suburbia. There's like a giant, like Mosasaurus in the ocean, like ready to eat surfers. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, so they're following the, uh, the planet of the apes formula, like the newer ones rise of the planet of the apes war for the planet of the apes. Right. Like, so each movie they're progressively getting more. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so when it says "fallen kingdom," are they referring to Earth? Like that's it? I don't understand. I'm not sure. I understand the title. I think it's a double meaning because Site B or Jurassic Park or wherever or Jurassic World or wherever the dinosaurs were that falls because there's an erupting volcano, <laughs> and that's the reason why the <laughs> dinosaurs are shipped off of the island 
and into Jurassic Mansion. <laughs> they're there for like holding. But also while they're holding the dinosaurs in Jurassic Mansion, there's an auction with international arms dealers who want to purchase the dinosaurs to be weapons. <laughs> this legitimately sounds like two people trying to make up the most absurd movie ever. And this is a real yeah. thing that exists. This is one of the only sh- episodes of F this movie where I've been angry throughout the episode. <laughs> and part of it was like, I can't believe that this is what happened to Jurassic Park, a franchise that I ca- I really liked when I was little. And part of it was just like, Patrick, why are you making me talk about this? <laughs> I know I listened to that episode. It's been uh, obviously a couple of years. What was Patrick's thoughts on the film as well? Yeah, I think he thought it was like well-directed, but everything in terms of logic or story, he was on the same page as me. He, he really didn't like Jurassic world um, either. And I actually liked Jurassic world the first time I saw it. And then after that, I, it's never worked for me, but uh, yeah, they're, they're real bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to watch that tonight. Just, just to know. Just so I can know. Sure. It's <laughs> so, interestingly bad. I'll put it that way. Okay. It's a, make a good case study. So, yeah. okay. So I am going to, I'm, I picked up, uh, this is a, I've gone to movieinsider.com for their 2021 summer movie preview. And, and the reason why I did that is they list all the movies that are coming out, not just quote theatrical, but ones that are coming out on, um, video on D, video on demand, planned video on demand. So it's going to start on May 7th. So, Okay. I'm just going to ask you, uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to ask you each one, and I'm going to ask you your honest anticipation level for the film. So, of course, listeners out there, these dates are subject to change, which we've gotten very used to, uh, but, uh, you know, theaters have started to open back up, even in New York and Los Angeles. And what's the status on movie theaters in Chicago right now, Adam? Um, most of them are open at limited capacity. Uh, so it's more just a matter of, like, I'm waiting to get my shots than it is, like, waiting for the theaters to open. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, like I said, just give me your honest anticipation. So, coming out on Friday, May 7th of 2021, will be the next movie in the MCU. I'm, of course, talking about Marvel's Black Widow. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think just because... You know, it's been such a long time since Spider-Man Far From Home, so I, my appetite has been built up again to watch more Marvel movies. Um, I did watch most of WandaVision, but I don't really know how much more of the Marvel TV series I'll I'll continue watching because I think it sort of takes away from the specialness of going to see the Marvel movies in the theater. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be like just saturated by it by the time I get to a movie. So I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. And it also feels like an obligation to a certain extent because it was one of those movies I was primed to go see last year. And it's like that no time to die. Um, there's like a couple others where I'm just like, it, it just feels like a check mark. I need to mark off just as much as anything. Yeah. And, uh, my brief thoughts on it are, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll see it when I see it. It won't be a, uh, day one go to the theaters. I mean, the theaters are pretty much open here. Uh, I'm sure Regal Cinema will be open by the time this film comes out. Yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not huge priority on my list, but this next one might be. So mm-hmm. coming out Friday, May 14th, 2021, we have Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. I mean, did you see the trailer? It looks like they really figured a lot of stuff out. <laughs> 
So, moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> All it right. Could be the T2. You never know. <laughs> you never P2. <laughs> P2. <laughs> P2 the the runaway. <laughs> there there's a couple movies coming out uh on Friday, May 21st. Uh, uh theatrically speaking, there is Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds. There's the Samuel L. Jackson film Spiral. Both of those are coming out nationwide in theaters. And then there is the uh, Zack Snyder film Army of the Dead that is coming out on Netflix on May 21st. So real quick, Free Guy, Spiral, Army of the Dead. Uh, Free Guy, I'll probably see just because I want to go back to the movie theater. But like, I'm just I, I don't think the trailers look all that good. And I'm not the biggest Ryan Reynolds fan. So it is what it is. Spiral, I'm curious about because it's the next saw movie and it's got chris rock and samuel l jackson so that's enough to pique my interest and army of the dead i would be more excited about it if it wasn't a netflix movie yeah yeah it's um god i'm so conflicted on Zack snyder i don't want to get into a tangent but i'm so conflicted on him because some of his films i love mm-hmm. and uh like i watched just on a whim yesterday put on 2004's Dawn of the Dead, which I think is is phenomenal. I love that yeah. movie. Um, really- I guess I should say, if we're talking movies coming out soon, I know we're starting in May, your thoughts on the 18th of March when the Snyder Cut of Justice League, the four-hour version of the film, will be released on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, I'm definitely curious about it, Um, although I'm curious about it for like a weird reason, which is the moment I heard that it was four hours long. I'm like, oh, I got to see this. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's just the the fact that he was given that canvas to paint on like just this epic, you know, version of Justice League. I'm so curious because I think the first movie was just two hours. So like he's this is double the movie. Yeah, it's could be fascinating where it goes. So, yeah, as a curiosity, I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually planning and like you because uh, you know, HBO Max and we've talked about this before is hands down my favorite streaming service. I think it's yours as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I'm making a point the day before just to revisit the Justice League, the 2-hour version of the film which I actually saw in the theater. And was shocked mm-hmm. when somebody yelled out during the credits, best DC film ever, which <laughs> I wasn't able to sit quiet. I actually yelled out, how quickly we forget the Dark Knight. And you literally hear him go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least that, that interaction ended on a positive yeah. note. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's go on to... Friday, May 28th. Again, most of these movies that we're going to be talking about were films that were set to come out last year. So we have A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I'll say this with, like, the caveat that I'll probably see all these movies in theaters just because I'll be so happy to be back in a movie theater. But I, I'm one of those people who saw A Quiet Place, thought it was good, and then just moved on with my life. Like, I never thought that there'd be a sequel or like, I really have all that much interest in the sequel. So, I mean, like it's a well-made, the the first one was like a really well-made movie, but I just haven't really ever thought about it since then. So I'm only kind of eh, on the on part two. 
I've actually never seen all of the first one. Uh, when the first Quiet Place came out, it it really did pique my interest. I thought it had a fantastic trailer, and I liked the cast, but I also knew that a movie in which everyone has to be quiet indicates to me that it's going to be very quiet in the movie theater. So, yeah. you know, if there's a lot of people in the theater, chances are it's going to be very distracting. And so I waited five weeks, five weeks, and went on a Sunday night, five weeks after the film was released, bought my ticket, went into the theater 10 minutes before the film started, and... To my delight, I was the only person in there. Two minutes before the movie starts, a group of, like, I guess an entire entire senior class of a high school decided to come see this movie at one time. And, I mean, they just all sat around me. I was I was surrounded. They all had their phones out. They're talking. They're throwing popcorn. I mean, the trailer started, and I just said, nope, and just, yeah. just got up and left. So, uh, it's on my list. Uh, also coming out May 28th will be the uh, movie Cruella. So I'll go see this because I like Emma Stone. Um, if it was not her as Cruella DeVille, I probably wouldn't be all that interested in it. But the trailer cracks me up because it's Disney clearly trying to make Cruella look like Joker. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for this? Oh, no. <laughs> No, I haven't, but I'm going it's to. Like, it's like this battle for me between, like, why are they trying to make this PG-rated Disney movie look like Joker? And why is Cruella DeVille cute now? <laughs> is it is it an origin story? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the thing is, okay, I have this game that I play with movies where the subject of the movie is like, this woman is crazy. It's always, and I always will joke with my friends. It's the moment of like, when would you leave? <laughs> like, when is the balance of crazy too much to over the cuteness aspect of it? So I think that's the game I'll play with Cruella where I was just like, Oh yeah. The moment she cyanided all the people I probably would have bailed. <laughs> I'm going to read just briefly what, um, it says the plot synopsis is for Cruella. It says set in the 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution follows a young yeah. grifter named Estelle Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make a name for herself with, with her designs. She befriends a pair of thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief. I'm stopping there. Um, <laughs> does she have a dog? I, I didn't see one. This <laughs> is, but there is a scene where, like, Dalmatians growl at her, so we know. I mean, is she going to have a run-in with Sid Vicious? Like, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand. Like, when you said Disney trying to be Joker, trying to make their Joker movie, I laughed, but I hadn't even read this. I have to watch this trailer. I am. I have to watch this trailer. This is insane. Yeah, you really do, because it's just like, yeah, there's all these scenes where it's like she's got, like, smeared makeup on her face and stuff, and it's like, oh, she's crazy. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Yeah. Okay, coming out Friday, June 4th, will be The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> that title makes me laugh. It just sounds silly, but um, I'll watch it because it's one of the HBO Max movies. Absolutely, and we should point out when these are going to be, when what ones are going to be HBO Max. Um, yeah. The next week, Friday, June 18th, is In the Heights, 
which is, I believe, an HBO Max movie as, as well, correct? Yeah, and it's, um, I don't know, I forgot, who, I don't know if he's, no, John Chu is directing it, who did like a lot of the Step Up movies, but it's a Lin-Manuel Miranda um, movie of some sort. I think he like wrote the music or something like that, but it looks good from the trailers. Awesome, okay. And let's see, also that year is the movie Luca. Do you know anything about this film? That's the next Pixar movie, yeah. um, and it's about, like, kids in Italy who are also fish. Okay. So we'll see. They can make anything work. So yeah. I'm, 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 I, so it's not like Cruella where I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, honestly no joking when it comes to Pixar. Like, I watched Soul in December, and I just thought it was fantastic. I had a great time yeah. with that film. So, uh, yeah, they're doing things right. Okay, now. This is where you should be getting very excited. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this. There's a couple movies coming out on Friday, June 25th, 2021. Okay. The first one, there's two. I want to talk about the second one more. So the first one is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, the first one was very silly, and I'm expecting the second one to be the same. So, Again, because I'll just be happy to be at the movie theater again, I'm sure I'll go, but I'm not, like, clamoring for a Venom sequel either. The other movie coming out on June 25th, 2021, is F9. I believe the F stands for family. Um, mm -hmm. Some will say it stands for Fast and Furious, but uh, this is going to be... Uh, let's let's just read the, uh, the quick synopsis here uh, for the ninth... Fast and Furious film. It says Vin Diesel's Dom Toretto is leading a quiet life off the grid with Letty and his son, little Brian. But they know that. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. Keep going. <laughs> just, the, just, the, just the way that it, I don't know who wrote this. That's I don't think this is the official universal <laughs> plot synopsis. <laughs> it sounds like you're reading the back of like a scholastic <laughs> book. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they know that danger always lurks just over their peaceful horizon. This time, the threat will force Dom to confront the sins of his past. If he's going to, <laughs> if he's if he's going to save those he loves the most, his crew joins together to stop a world-shattering plot led by the most skilled assassin and high-performance driver they've ever encountered, a man who also happens to be Don's forsaken brother, Jacob, played by John Cena. First of all, I want to know yeah. who writes these plot synopsis, because I want to talk to this person, because they are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. um, I'm excited just because Han is coming back, sure. and it's the hashtag justice for Han that I've been waiting for since 2006. So... Um, I'm also really thrilled that Hobbs and Shaw are apparently not in this one because I feel like they ruined the franchise for me. So to have them exercised from Fast 9 is encouraging. Um, John Cena is not the value add that I think Universal wants me to think that he is. <laughs> um I don't know. It's funny because these are some of the biggest franchises ever, but then they're just like, we got Cena guys. It's like, <laughs> like you could have gotten Cena in, in the second one. Like, like why, what are we getting exciting about? I just want you to listen to this for a second. Okay. It says that 
the threat will force Dom to confront the sins of his past. Hasn't that been the plot of the last five films? Yeah. Okay. Every movie's got the sins of his past. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving so, on. Mo- I'm very, okay. I'm very excited. Yeah, about I, this. And I, and I know you are. And, and yeah. I fully intend to have you on the show. I'll make a deal with you. Okay. I haven't okay. even seen fast eight F eight, whatever we're calling it. I haven't even seen it. Is that the one with the submarine in the Arctic with the Lamborghinis on the ice? Yeah, Dana, I I love these movies and I hate Fast 8. Don't watch Fast 8. I will will see F9 in the theater. If you see it in the theater, and then we'll do a show on it. We have to. All All right. Coming out on Friday, July 2nd is my most anticipated film of the year, a movie that I've had to wait a year to see. And that is going to be Top Gun Maverick. And the reason why this is, this is the movie that will get me back to the theater. You know, I know Christopher Nolan really wanted to save theaters last August, and we'll get to that. It's the last thing I want to talk about. But I am all in on this movie just because I know that the Navy offered, uh, or they had full participation with the Navy. I know that they went as practical as possible whenever possible. Uh, to the point where, you know, they had to refuse Tom Cruise's request to actually pilot an F-18. They just said flat out, no, you're not allowed to do that. And then I have, uh, I was actually speaking with a naval aviator about a month ago who was uh, able to see about 20 minutes of this film. And he said that it is just, just from an action standpoint, he said it's spectacular. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the plot's going to be. I have a feeling just based on the trailers what the plot's going to be. I I genuinely don't know, but let's um let's just read the plot synopsis real quick here. Ace Pilot Maverick aims to show the relevance of good old-fashioned pilots in today's high-tech drone-centric war environment. That's it. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts on this film? You're looking forward to seeing it? Yeah. Yeah, I was th- this was one of my big 3 with the Bond movie and Fast and Furious, like leading up to quarantine, where I was most excited last year. So I think it looks, from an action standpoint, pretty spectacular. Um, and I would love to see it in IMAX or Dolby Cinema. And um, yeah, it's the type of movie where a legacy sequel, I think, could work because there's a lot of like different kind of technical innovations that have happened in filmmaking since 1986. And like, Top Gun, like for its time, like even now it looks incredible and it's like really great action wise. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it to update it. And, um, you know, this is a character that you're not tired of because like, you know, the only time we saw him was like in that one movie. So I'm, I'm curious about it. I'm looking forward to it. I am. Yeah. I'm all in on this one. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited. In fact, these movies are actually being released a week apart. So maybe we, we talk about both films. So that'd be fun. The next one, this one has me scratching my head just a little bit because it's slated for release in July, which is essentially just under four months from now. And that's, uh, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, everybody, I apologize. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's, an, it's another Marvel film. Um, and we haven't even seen any promotional material for this whatsoever. No trailer. I mean, is this, do you know anything about this? Uh, no, I just know that it's a new character that they're, you know, bringing into the MCU. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I, I see every one of these movies, so I, you know, why stop now? <laughs> uh, we're going to do a couple more weeks, and then we'll be we'll be done with this uh, preview. Uh, okay, so next, uh, coming out Friday, July 16th, we have uh, Cinderella. This one has Mini Driver, Pierce Brosnan, um, James Corden is in this film. Uh, the quick one-sentence synopsis is a modern musical take on the traditional tale of the orphaned girl with an evil stepmother. If they make the trailer look like Joker, I'll go see it. <laughs> That's the formula. They yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming out that same week will be Space Jam, A New Legacy. This one uh-huh. has LeBron James in, I don't know if he's obviously, uh, Space Jam came out in the 1990s. Um, it was a very, very popular movie at the time, had a very popular soundtrack, had Michael Jordan in the film. It was mm-hmm. uh, a kind of uh, a like, sort of like what I would say, like a who framed Roger Rabbit deal where it's live action with animation at the same time. Uh, here's here's the part where I say I've actually never seen Space Jam. This one's not high on my list, but I'd be curious to where this stands for you. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I'll watch it because it's going to be one of the HBO Max uh, releases. But I, I don't think the first Space Jam is very good. Like, it's something that I'm I've got a lot of nostalgia about because the first one came out when I was 14. Um, and I was, you know, I grew up in the Chicagoland area. So, like, Michael Jordan was the man, like, throughout my youth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know that for this one they're taking – a bit of a different track where they're going through like the Warner brothers catalog too. So like characters from the Warner brothers universe are supposed to be like joining LeBron and the basketball players and the Looney tunes and this whole thing. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but I'm not super excited about it either. I'm more curious on like who's going to be on the soundtrack than I am. Who's going to be in the movie. All right, just going to do a couple more here on Friday, July 30th. Emily Blunt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be in Disney's Jungle Cruise. I would be all over this if it was not Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> like, I can see what this movie is already with Dwayne Johnson. But if they got, like, Kurt Russell in Jungle Cruise, that would be awesome. Yeah, you, you want the old salty, you know, captain, you know, the, the, the run down, like the Captain Ron almost, if you will. It's a perfect, it was perfect when you said Kurt Russell. I just imagine him being like, being able to like talk to snakes and stuff. And he's just like, hey, snakes, do what you do best or something. <laughs> and then they save like Emily Blunt. Like, that's how I imagine the movie being. <laughs> Uh, another movie that's coming out on HBO Max and theaters on August 6th is The Suicide Squad. Is the word on this one that it's going to be rated R? I think I've heard that. I've heard that too, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it despite hating the first Suicide Squad yeah. because it's James Gunn directing it and um, Margot Robbie's back is Harley Quinn. So the two of them combined is enough for me to want to watch the movie for sure. Rounding out uh, our summer movie preview on Friday, August 27th, a movie that I'm hot, uh, very, very excited to see. Uh, that is going to be, I'm not going to call it a remake because uh, from what I understand, it is a sequel and that is Candyman. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It's coming out at just the right time for me too because I start to get into 
like Halloween fall mode, usually around like the second half of August, because that's when I start going to like my horror conventions and things like that. Um, but yeah, Candyman looks interesting from what I've seen the uh, from the preview, and um, it's a it's the type of movie and character where I feel like there's more story to to kind of expand with. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's good. I will say this. Uh, I want to thank. Uh movieinsider.com for providing this uh, nice nice list of the upcoming films and these wonderful plot synopsis. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't read the one for Jungle Cruise. Uh, it says, set in the early 20th century and takes place in the Amazon jungle, Dwayne Johnson will play a boat captain who takes his sister, Emily Blunt, and her brother, Jack Whitehall, on a mission to find a tree believed to possess healing powers. That's perfect. I mean, what more do you need out of a summer movie? Nothing. That's it. Yeah. Keep um, it simple. I'm all in. Before we go, I spoke to you in July of 2020. That's the last time you were on the show. At that point, pretty much every movie had been pushed to 2021 except for one. And it's the one movie, the lone movie that I did see in the theater last year. I saw it Labor Day weekend, uh, August and it was uh, Christopher Nolan's movie, Tenet. And this was the movie that was going to save movie theaters. I, From what I know, you did not see this in the theater. But the movie has been out since. And I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Um, well, I kind of had like a failed attempt to see it when it was in theaters. Because this one theater chain near me um, said, we're doing parking lot screenings of Tenet. And it's like, okay, well, I've been going to the drive-in all summer, so like, I'll go see like a new movie. I, I, on you know, even if it's outside. So I drive to the theater, and it's literally like maybe a hundred twenty-inch screen plastered on the side of a building, and I'm just like, what in the god's name is this? <laughs> and then, um. No kidding, Dana. There was like for the screening, there was maybe 20 cars to start out with. And by the third act of Tenet, it was like me and one other car. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't see it in the optimal setting. Um, Then I watched it at home when it came out on um, video on demand. And I thought that it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, I was more leaning towards negative than positive on it. But I... I, I appreciate the score and I really liked the cinematography and I think the movie looks beautiful and I think Robert Pattinson and John David Washington are, are good in it. Um, I just couldn't get into anything going on because the characters are written in such a way that it's hard to really latch onto them. And then I didn't think the action or the story were anything special so i've tried a couple times and i just it's just not my my christopher nolan movie it's pretty low on my list for his work i've seen the movie four times now okay and every time i see it i find things to like and then i find things that i i I start to pull away from the film and i think the reason i think some of the reasons why the action set pieces didn't work for me is because a lot of times I didn't know what was at stake because I yeah. didn't understand what was going on. Like that entire scene at, and spoilers for Tenet, but I'm going to keep it spoiler free. That entire scene when they're uh, sort of the, you've got the two different groups 
you know, the red, the red, uh, I'll say the red guys and the blue guys that are mm-hmm. taking over that Soviet era city. It's, there's some scenes in that are, that are spectacular the way that Nolan, you know, plays with the time, but I didn't understand what was going on. So, uh, and I'll openly admit that. I mean, I kind of understand the third act now after four viewings, but those action set pieces didn't hold any weight to me because I didn't know who was who and I didn't know what was going on. So I was just like, well, that's cool that, that watching that building, I don't know, sort of collapse in reverse and explode in reverse. And I was like, that's really cool stuff, but I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. At least with the dark night, that whole scene in, you know, underneath the streets of Chicago when, the uh when the joker fires the rpg and then you know bruce wayne takes the uh the batmobile and you know and the batmobile crashes you're like oh no not the batmobile and then he comes out on the bat bike you're mm-hmm. like that's incredible i knew what yeah. was going on i understood what was at stake they were trying to you know protect harvey dent so everything mattered with tenant i didn't know what was going on yeah i remember thinking something similar to that where it was it was like I knew what was going on, but I didn't know why anybody was doing what they were doing. That's you know, that's a perfect way to explain it. That that I should clarify. That's kind of yeah, I understood <laughs> actually no I didn't. I'm gonna be honest. That third act of that film, I'd still I've watched this four times and I'm still like now the, they're going there, why? I mean yeah, I, I understand I what's going know. on in the yeah. future. Like they're trying to stop, you know, reverse the entropy of the earth. Spoiler alerts, I understand. And why you shouldn't do that, that's important. They throw that out there a couple times. Um, but I didn't get it. <laughs> so. If I were in that movie and, like, I was, you know, John David Washington or Robert Pattinson's character, at some point I would have been, like, looking around at buildings, like, rebuild themselves and, like, but, like, also imploding at the same time. And I would just, like, what what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> So, all right. Well, Adam, on that note, uh, I look forward to having you back on the show. And if people want to follow you on social media, if they want to keep up with the work you're doing with F This Movie, how can they do that? Uh, yeah. So, one of two ways you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Risky Adam, um, or you can uh, go to fthismovie.com. That's the letter fthismovie.com. And uh, you can read uh, my articles that go up each week. I usually have one or two. Um, and I'm on the podcast every few weeks as well. The most recently I was on an episode for the Crow City of Angels. So it was a fun conversation if you want to join us for that. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, Adam, I always appreciate you being on the show. It's always, uh, I, I just have the best time talking with you. The conversation's always, uh, just so much fun. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it was great catching up. Say, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And so we'll just say less than four months from now, we'll uh, we'll do a follow-up show where we'll discuss the latest Fast and Furious movie, F9, and Maverick Top Gun. So we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and pencil that in. So, all right, Adam, have a good day. All right, you too. And my name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>